Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life and Sport Podcast. And I'm joined by a very special guest. He honestly is a man who needs no introduction. He's been on my guest bucket list since I started this podcast in 2019. You know, he's one of the greatest Raiders of all time, in my opinion. He's easily in my starting 17 of all time Raiders. His name is Simon Germ Wilford. Thanks for joining me. And how's your how's your week been so far? Well, so so far, so good for a Monday. I'm down yep. here in Shell Arbor. The sun's out and um, beautiful weather down here. So no complaints, mate. Thanks for having me. Good to be on here. No, that's good, mate. Pleasure's all mine. Uh, before we get started, obviously, about your career, um, just want to touch on the Raiders game on the weekend just gone. It was against the Knights for anyone who's listening at time of recording. What are your thoughts on that game? Uh, yeah, look, it was disappointing. Um, you know, it was pretty evident early that they weren't they weren't there physically. Their energy was down. You know, they were coming off a big trip over to New Zealand where they played really well against, you know, the informed Warriors, obviously the yep. trip back. And, uh, yeah, they just looked a bit flat. They've been up for a long time. They've won and lost a lot of close games over the last three months and put themselves in a good position. And, Look, most teams go through those sort of games throughout the year and, and what's important for the Raiders now is that they they get back on track this week. They've got a great opportunity at home on Sunday against the Tigers to get back into the winner's list and yep. um, they need to make sure they right a few wrongs and, um, you know, there was just the, the one week was just the, exactly that, just a little hiccup. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, I couldn't agree more with you there. Um but obviously, let's get started on the, you could say, the life and times, the career of Simon Wolford. Growing up in Young, um, what was it like growing up there? You know, what sort, what team did you support growing up and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, it was great growing up in a, in a little country town like Young. Um, you know, <clears throat> my mum and her three sisters, we all lived, you know, within 500 metres of each other. So we had lots of cousins to play with all the time and, a little bit different to how young kids grow up these days, but um, yeah. you know, it was cricket in the summer, cricket in the driveway. It was, it was footy footy in, the, in, the, in the backyard in the winter. We played all sports, and um, you know, it was really, really good times. Yeah, it's funny we, um, you know, between all the families and the cousins, we were either St George or um, or Parramatta Eels supporters. I was a Dragons supporter, but um, okay, that's okay. funny. Um, back back then in those days, you know, there were two or three NRL teams that were. Uh, really prominent as far as, you know, who people in country town supported. And, um, you yep. know, I was a Dragons supporter, you know, Stevie Morris and all those sort of guys, John Fafida, um, you know, all those sort of guys. Loved, loved watching those those guys go around. And, yeah, no, it was good. It was, it was fun times growing up in Young, that's for sure. That's awesome to hear. And that's very interesting because, obviously, you spent a majority of your career at the Raiders but did get, you know, you could say that full circle moment of, growing up following the Dragons and then finishing your career with the Dragons. Um, but before we talk about your time with the Dragons, obviously uh, the Raiders, how did your opportunity at the Raiders come about? Um, well, I, you know, as a 16-year-old, I made quite a few uh, rep teams. And um, it's funny, a guy by the name of Mark Lowry, yep. who played for the Raiders, played mainly in reserve grade, but probably would have played, I don't know, 20, 30 and uh, uh, first grade games. Uh, he he actually came out and coached young for a year, and I was playing in um, the under eight. I was a year young. I was sixteen, turning seventeen in the under eighteens. Yep. And um, it was a preseason trial, and he watched our game before, and he came up to me after the trial and said, "Do you want to sit on the bench for first grade?" And I sort of went, "Oh, geez, yeah, is that a good <laughs> idea?" So I ended up I ended up sitting on the bench, and he ended up giving me a run. 
and I end up playing pretty much the majority of the year um, oh, in wow. his team in, in the first grade team. Um, it wasn't until the back end of the year where we realised we weren't going to make the semi-finals, so he dropped me back to to play 18s for the rest of the year, and we um we went on and won the grand final there. And who would oh, have wow. thought at the time that that was the last grand final I ever played in? So it was a good move to drop wow. back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So obviously you got your first grand debut for the Raiders in 1994, um, just before the Super League sort of war started. What was it like? Yeah, it was funny because back in back in those days, you know, I'd played under under twenty ones that day, and I'd, I'd sat on the bench for reserve grade. Back in those days, you'd play, you could play um, under twenty ones or Presidents Cup, as it was known. Then the reserve grade coach could ask you to sit on the bench, and then the um, the first grade coach could ask you to sit on the bench. Back then, you could have, you know, as many people sitting on the bench as you liked, and the first grade coach could could use. I think it might have been two. 15 um, regular players per week. And then the other two people off the bench, he could pick and choose who he wanted to play. And, yep. and it was just a normal, you know, oh, yeah, he's sitting me on the bench. There's 12, 13 of us on here. And there was only sort of 10 minutes to go. I remember it. We we're playing the Roosters. And obviously Mal and all those guys were, were playing back then. And, and he just picked me out of nowhere and said, you know, grabbed me and called me over and said, mate, you're going on playing in the halves for the last 10 minutes. Now at that stage, I'd, I'd, uh, Moved from the halves. I was a half in 1993 in the 21s yep. team. And Craig Bellamy at the end of the year said, um, pretty much said to me, mate, if you want to make it as an NRL player, I think your position's hooker. And I said, well, if you think that, I'll play hooker. And I yep. never looked back. And um, so I went on in 94, 10 minutes as a half. Um, you know, it was a little bit surreal, really. I mean, I just couldn't believe it was happening, to be honest. Yeah. I, I thought, geez, what, what am I doing on here? And then... <laughs> Um, the next, so that was the only only sort of go I got that year, ten minutes against the Roosters, and then the same thing happened the year after in 1995. I'd played I played under 21s and um, play, sat on the bench for reserve grade, and and Steve Walters was out injured, so Jason Deeth was the hooker in um in the NRL team that day, and he copped a knock in the first half against the Dragons mm. and the, uh, a head knock, and um. There was also another guy sitting on the bench, Steve Stone, who was the regular hooker in reserve grade at the time. So they ruled Deethy out at half time, and we're sitting there, and Sheenzy goes, get me the kid, and I, went, and I sort of heard him say it, and I went, that's me. Yeah, yeah, it so is. So <laughs> I ended up playing a full half, a full half again, with no preparation, not thinking I was going to play NRL. I, I turned up that day to play under 21s. Mm. So that's how it sort of started for me. My, my debut goes down as 94, but, um, you know, my first full year and my first full start was really at the start of 96. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. And obviously, if you count that as your first full year, then then that's totally fair enough. Um, obviously, the Super League war comes about. Obviously, the Raiders go into the Super League. What was that like for you as a relatively fresh-faced youngster, not really knowing much about much when it comes to like the the top level sort of thing? What was it like for you? Yeah, it was a bit weird. Um, I remember, you know, <clears throat> ninety. I think it was ninety-five when um, you know. Again, I was playing reserve grade, and we we were back home waiting for our game in the and the NRL team. I think they were up in Townsville. It might have been preparing for a game up there. And I remember Luke Devico rang me on the Saturday night and said, "You're not going to believe what's going on up here. Everybody's signing with Super League." 
he started talking about all the money that they were getting and all that. And I was going, geez, that, that's unbelievable. So it was really, it was really a simple decision for me. I, I wanted to yeah. be at the Raiders. I wanted to be at the Raiders forever. So it wasn't a matter of choosing Super League or NR, uh, you know, the ARL at the time. It was about it was just wherever the Raiders were going where, to be. Wherever the Raiders are going, I'm going. So as it turned out, they signed all, all the main guys up, the, the top squad guys. And then, the following week, they were in Canberra at our training at Seaford Oval, um, offering everybody contracts. So yeah, nice. it was unbelievable, nice. really. I'm, I mean, um, you know, for a young kid like myself who, you know, pictured myself, you know, having a day job and playing rugby training of a night and playing of a weekend, that that changed pretty rapidly. And um, yeah, um, uh, it was unbelievable, really. Absolutely, I'm a big believer that without the Super League War, the NRL wouldn't be where it is now. Um, yeah. as in as yeah. quickly and it's it so while there was a lot of a lot of legal BS going on at that time it, we, we've got a lot to thank the Super League War for um, obviously you ended up with a nickname of Germ where'd that originate from well it's funny I um when I went to the Raiders obviously they signed me as a young half and um, the guy that was in the 21s team the year before who who left it was Clint Zammett. he's now a recruitment i think he's working at the at the roosters now mm-hmm. anyway his nickname his nickname was virus and craig bellamy after about a month of getting to know each other he he gave me germ so yeah. it stuck you know craig bellamy was very good with nicknames and and having them stick and yep. um you know i remember the same year he gave luke devico um statue um, you know, we're in a meeting one day, team meeting, and he was given statue an absolute pasting for, um, you know, he said, you don't stand at marker and wait. He said, you're at marker and you, you look like you look like you're a statue waiting for a bird to shit on you. And then <laughs> so, so statues stuck with uh, Luke DeVico as well from that day. And everybody knows Luca's statue these days. And I don't think anyone calls me by my name anymore. My kids, no one, my wife. Let's call you Jam. Calls, everybody calls me Jam. And, and obviously Zach's got Jerm Jr. now down in yep. Canberra. Actually, Sheenzy tried to um, name him Bacteria when he was first born, but my, <laughs> wife, my wife put a stop to that. Oh, wow. That's funny as. And obviously, yeah. speak, speaking of Zach, he's now at the Raiders. He's now playing first grade in your position as well. Is it like a proud dad moment to see him doing so well at the Raiders at the moment? Yeah, it is. Look, he um, he took the long road to get there. He Yeah. He certainly uh, has overcome some um, hurdles over the last two or three years. And look, he did, you know, last year he thought he'd have one more year with Newtown and then he'd follow his dream of his second dream and that's horse racing. So he had a good job with Peter Snowden, who um, was looking to um, keep him and promote him to, to get to get him to where he wanted to be in the industry. But uh, the Raiders opportunity really, really did come out of nowhere. So he... Um, wow. You know, he and he didn't. You know, he was still a little bit hesitant. He sort of had already come to the realization that maybe that dream was over. So he, he didn't. Really was he hesitant because of maybe the family name, like as in well, you played yeah, so many games, maybe? But more so, I think he'd come to the real. You know, he told himself that th- that year was his last, and the NRL oh, okay, dream was yeah. over. So okay. I, I don't think you know. While it was a risk, I mean, he only the only guarantees Zach got when he went back to the Raiders was a month full-time training with the NRL squad that was it yeah. and they were going to them they were going to reassess after that so he was like you know what if I move back to Canberra and after a month it's you know, done and whatever and I said yeah well mate you've just got to ask yourself a question it's one simple question do you want to give it one more crack yes or no and he said yeah I do and I said well pack your bags mate you're going to Canberra yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And well, he's definitely doing well in um, living up to the Wolford name, that's for sure. He's definitely a little bit of bacteria. There's definitely a lot of signs of your play style and your, you know, influence in his playing, and it's great to see. Um, yeah. <laughs> pardon me. Obviously, as you mentioned, um, you had Sheenzy, you had Bellamy, you had a lot of coaches during your career. Which coach had the biggest impact on the person you became slash are today? Oh, yeah, look, it'd have to be Craig. I mean, um, you know, I was lucky to have him for a couple of years in, in the 21s. You know, obviously I was a 17-year-old kid coming out of young to Canberra thinking I knew everything and thinking, you know, I was I was the, the bee's knees. And um, he sort of, you know, we clashed a little bit early. We sort of, um, you know, we had the same personality really. But I think, um, you know, like I said, I went to Canberra thinking, you know, I was pretty special. I, you know, I'd been picked up by an NRL team and, um, Craig, Craig grounded me pretty quickly. We, you know, we, you know, I think he dropped me after three or four weeks. I was only young. I was still only 18 years old playing in the 21s yeah. and playing as a half. And I was in and out of the team that year and we clashed a little bit. And, um, but, uh, certainly him and Sheenzy, the fact at the end of that first year, they, um, you know, they, it was a, pretty much a joint decision from them to, to move me to hooker. And, um, you know, so as a person, they, they taught me a lot in that first year about, um, yeah, rugby league and what sort of person I needed to be. And, um, you know, I was a competitor too. So me and Craig, yeah. we, you know, even though we, um, even though we clashed, I, I think deep down, you know, Craig liked the way I went about things. I mean, I turned up there, you know, straight out of school in the preseason and I made sure I was as fit as I could be. And, um, you know, so uh, while, while we did clash in that first year, um, you know, we're now, we're now really, you know, we've been really, really good mates ever since. So, um, I've got Craig and, and Sheenzy, you know, a lot to thank him for. That's awesome to hear. Um, and obviously, Craig's gone on to do wonderful things with the Storm and Sheenzy too with the Tigers and whatnot. And the reason I bring up the Tigers is because obviously there is a very, very infamous game that the Raiders played against the Tigers. Round 17, 2000 at Bruce Stadium in the snow, the only snow game in the NRL. Um, you played hooker that game. You know, you, you came off uh, at some point with a bit of a shoulder injury, continued the game, uh, 74th minute charge down, which led to Mark McClendon's score levelling try. What do you remember about that game? What was it like playing in that torrential downpour of snow throughout the game? Yeah, it's like it happened yesterday, really. I mean, I, you know, it was funny because we all rocked up to the game not expecting the weather to be like that. There was no talk of snow. Obviously, yeah. it's cold. And uh, we were in getting ready and, um, you know, Back in those days, you you might go and get your ankle strapped or whatever, and then go out and watch a bit of reserve grade and come back in. And you know, everyone prepared differently. But I, I remember the day I just got my ankle strapped, and I thought I'll go out for five minutes and watch a bit of reserve grade. And I walked out, and and this just the snow literally started pelting down as I walked out. Oh. And I went, Jesus, Jesus Christ! So. <laughs> So I didn't watch any reserve grade. I went back inside. The first bloke I, I saw was Laurie. He was on the on the table about to be rubbed. And I said, hey, Loz. He goes, what's up? And I said, go and have a look outside. <laughs> he went outside and had a look. And it, and it was just a, a huge, just a huge, you know, everybody was laughing and joking and going, Jesus, what about the snow out there? But, you know, the game, you know, once you got out there and you got into it, you know, the snow was irrelevant. You just, I just yeah. remember Leslie Vanacolo asking for warm water to, to um, pour on his old fella because he kept diving to score tries and um, <laughs> he was quite cold, but it was good. It was a great day. It was good. We got the win in the 
And as you said, it was nice to nice to charge. I think it was kick a charge down, and it was yep. nice that it bounced well for us, and we got the result because we did get off to a good start that day. But it was you did it was tight, a, quite a tough game, and at different periods, it, it looked like we were going to um, let it slip. But thankfully, you know, there's there's a lot of good memories of that day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I actually just watched the game in full on the NRL website just before we started. Uh, like for the last two hours, I've just watched the whole game to see if there was any highlights, and there absolutely was. And I also um, messaged the touchy, um, uh, noisy fella, Alan Fowler, about it. And he said there was a little bit of rumours that the game was almost going to be cancelled. Um, that's yeah. how bad the snow became. Did, was there any, um, in, in the sheds before the game, you just said everyone sort of prepares early like, and prepares their own way. Did you guys sort of hear any rumblings about it maybe, maybe being cancelled? I think, I, I, for memory, I, I don't recall it. You know, there may have been, for memory, there may have been just a little bit of banter about cancelling the yep. game. I don't think, I don't think there was ever a time that afternoon where we thought the game wasn't going to go ahead. I may okay. be wrong there. It was a long time ago, but for memory, I don't, I don't recall um, ever thinking that the game wasn't going to go ahead. No. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. So I've got some quick fire sort of fun questions for you. First of all, who was the biggest pest during your time at the Raiders? Uh, Luke DeVico. Oh, for sure. Um, who did you love playing against and who did you hate playing against? Uh, I loved playing against, for some reason, I loved playing against Brisbane. Um, yep. For some reason, I always seemed to play well against Brisbane. They were always a great team. We're full of internationals and, you know, it was always it was always a, a good build-up to playing against Brisbane. So I'd have to say Brisbane. And I used to hate playing against the Knights in the early days when, I was only young and they had Butterfield and Harrigan and Marquette yep. and if their forwards were just, they were, just uh, they were at the back end of their career and they were just hard and tough and it was just relentless. So I never looked forward to playing against the Knights back in those early days. Okay. Uh, who was the worst to train with? <laughs> worst to train with? Oh, God. Probably Kenny Nagus. Okay. Okay, that's very, <laughs> Kenny that's went, very interesting. Kenny had five gears and he only ever used whatever gear he needed to. He was hilarious. But, you know, the most important thing about Kenny was come game day, he just got the job done and, and uh, he was a fantastic player. That's awesome. Honestly, that's that's really good to hear. As long as you show up, that's that's what counts as well. Uh, what's your favourite movie of all time? Uh, favourite movie of all time. That's a hard one. I'm a bit of an Adam Sandler fan, actually. So, okay. Um, you know, all these, you know, the uh, the Waterboy and um, those sort of movies, the golf yep. one, the name of uh, that. Happy Gilmore, yep. Happy Gilmore, yeah, that, those sort of movies. I'm a bit of an Adam Sandler fan, so I, I, those sort of movies I'm happy to watch again. That's good to hear. Uh, what's your beer or drink of choice? Uh, Colton Dry. Very nice. Uh, what's your favourite meal? Steak. Okay. How do you like your steak? Uh, usually medium, yep. Diane sauce, roast veggies. Oh, yum. That sounds very nice, actually. I haven't had Diane yeah. sauce in a long time on steak. Um, so, obviously, tangenting back into your career, obviously, after you finished up at the Raiders, you went to the Dragons. What was that like being able to play for the club that you followed growing up as a kid? Yeah, look, it was good. I, I got to the point where I'd been at the Raiders a long time and just felt like I needed a change. I, I actually tossed up going to England, but um, the right opportunity didn't come up. And, and and Laurie was actually 
helping out Nathan Brown at the Dragons yep. in an assistance type role. So um, he sort of said to me, what do you reckon? And I thought, yeah, that'd be good. And so, yeah, we made the move and lived on the coast and made a lot of new friends and learn about how things were done at, differently at other club, another club. So it refreshed me for a couple of years, but, you know, definitely at the back end of that second year, I think I turned 34 that year mentally I'd had enough. So, um, you know, yep. it was a good couple of years. We, we didn't quite reach the heights we, we wanted to. We had, you know, Gaz was out most of the year, one year with a torn peck and it was one thing after another really, but um, we played in some semifinals. So that was good. Yeah. Nice. And then obviously just after your retirement, you went into a bit of coaching with the Queen Vianne Blues um, and you had a little bit of a Ricky Stewart in you and you broke the coach's box window. Um, <laughs> can, can you talk to us about that? Oh God, that was just a nightmare though. We, um, you know, it's funny, we finished minor premiers that year and we got beat by Goulburn in the first week of the semifinals. And um, so, you know, West Bell Connor, we played in the prelim. They'd sort of won five, six, seven in a row. And, and yep. all the talk was that, you know, they were going to play Goulburn in the grand finals. So, um, you know, we, we, we prepared well for that prelim and we were up 20 nil after 20 minutes. And I had this guy, Dave Pengai, absolute, you know, Tavita, who's playing at the Bulldogs now, he's older yep. brother. Very yep. talented, but very talented player. And, you know, talked to him all week about what I needed him to do when he came off the bench and spoke to him again about it before he went on. We're up by 20. I don't need you doing anything silly. I just need you to do your job. And anyway, he comes on and throws a flick pass out his bum. They pick it up and run 50 and score. No. And then they score again. So oh. all of a sudden at halftime, it was 20 it's to 12. 20 to 12. And game, yep. It was game on again. And, we get to the second half and it's, we're up by eight, we're up by four, we're up by 10, we're up by six. And uh, Dave decides to throw another flick pass and gave them the ball 20 metres out from our own try line. We're up by four with five minutes to go. Oh, so that's okay. when I just got up and I just slapped the glass in front of me. And obviously, Seaford Oval's an old ground and the glass is old and it just... Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I Fuck. here I am. People are people are sitting in the stand, turning around. I'm trying to catch glass. I've got every <laughs> finger in my, on both hands, that are bleeding with three or four minutes to go. Fuck. And uh, yeah, no, it wasn't good. And then I had to go straight to my um. I was coaching my my son Charlie in under 15s. I had to go straight to his semi final after it. And um. And I'm there coaching his semi-final team with both hands bandaged up, and I didn't take them out of the pocket so no one could see them. <laughs> yeah, geez, geez, Louise, yeah. that's, that's that's insane, mate. Honestly, but I mean, given that you'd been under the coaching guise of Craig Bellamy for quite a while, it kind of makes sense. Because um, <laughs> yeah, you I had a good teacher. Absolutely, learn from the best, as they say. Um, and then, obviously, after there, you went up to Newcastle in the Interest Premiership. Um, you know, premiership uh, competition in 2016. Then you went over to England, not as a player, but as a coach for Huddersfield. What was it like over in Huddersfield? Coaching in the Super League is a very different um, ball game to the NRL. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, it was very different. I mean, I went over there and um, had a pretty big job to do. I think we were running near the bottom of the table, if not the bottom. And, uh, you know, obviously it's important to stay out of relegation over there and so we needed to find a way to get out of the bottom. I think it was the bottom four teams. They go in a sort of a, a different competition at the end of the year to decide who goes down and who, well, that's how it worked back then. I'm not sure how yeah. it works now, but um, so yeah, well, I went over there and, you know, I, I didn't get over there for three weeks after I got the appointment the visa took forever. And so I started coaching with Chris Thorman over there and, 
uh, via Zoom and getting things in place. So when I got there, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, start from scratch. We needed to get the ball yeah. rolling. And yeah. so we did that. And may we, um, it was unbelievable. We, I think we won 12 out of 13 games to Ooh. stay out of to, um, so we ended up just missing, you know, not far out of this actual semi. So it was really, really good. We, 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 you know, we a dream start. The, yeah. We beat all the top teams over there. St. Ellen's were red hot and we went over to St. Ellen's and we beat them and we, we had a really good time. And, um, you know, second year was, I knew it was going to be, it wasn't going to be the same smooth sailing as it was when I first got there. And, you know, we had a, we started the season, we got some, you know, our head of performance got some things wrong in the preseason. We had a lot of soft tissue injuries before, you know, around the trials. And we, you know, we weren't, a, we certainly weren't a club that could afford to have six, eight players missing in the first month of the competition. And that's, yeah. that's how we went into the start of Super League uh, that year. And it, it was just an uphill battle. We'd, I think we lost our first four games and we went and beat Wigan in Wigan. And then it was sort of win, lose, win, lose. And with, with three weeks to go, we were still in the relegation zone. We were, you know, we were, we could have quite easily been relegated, but we got, we got our troops together at the back end of the year and had everyone on the park. I think we won our last three games and, um, yeah, so we stayed up and, and, uh, the following year we, we had a really good preseason and I think we won four out of our first five before COVID hit. And, yeah. um, so yeah, we went over to Catalans round one and beat them, and uh, we beat St Helens. We had a lot. We had we had really good first four or five weeks in in that year, and then COVID hit, and um, yeah, it was a real shame because we were we were, we were on a roll and we were we were sitting second or third on the ladder. Yep, they were basically the the Broncos equivalent in twenty twenty. The Broncos got two wins on the trot, and then COVID hit, and then the Broncos copped the spoon. And Huddersfield yeah. seemed to do very similar esque in. Uh, in that season as well. Do you reckon it was the the genuine massive disruption to the world, let alone the sport uh, of COVID that really impacted the the season for Huddersfield? Yeah, I, I, I think that had a bit to do. We, we came back in really good condition. I mean, we went back into training. I think we got three weeks. to. So after having a couple of months off or even more, it might have even been three months, they mm-hmm. gave us three weeks to get ready to play again. So... Um, it was it was a it was a nightmare trying to keep track of players and what they're doing on their own and who's training and who's not who's doing the right thing who's not. But you know, in all honesty, when we got back into training, a mini preseason, everyone was in reasonable condition. Okay. And um, you know, I remember we we lost our first three games back by a point. I think you know we played Leeds at Leeds and we had a a stupid lead against them and we had. We lost three blokes to injury in the last 15 minutes and they scored three or four tries to, to level with us and then kicked a field goal in um, Golden Point. And we went up to Warrington a, a week after and we lost C's midway through the second half to a hamstring and we were down by eight and we got to, we got to, we got square with Warrington, you know, and, and lost Blake Austin, kicked a 40 metre field goal to beat us by a point there. So I think we came back in reasonable condition and we're playing some good footy, but we had two or three in a row where we, you know, games, close losses. And it was, we just didn't seem to recover from that. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's injuries are definitely not fun, especially as you said, when a, when a team can't afford to have so many injuries out for, for a long time. Um, And obviously you returned back to Oz and what have you been up to since you returned back to Oz? Uh, Well, I came back at the end of 20 and, Mm -hmm. um, and sort of there was, you know, we were sort of stuck there waiting for the right flight to get home. So there was nothing going on. So I ended up talking to a mate who was 
I played a lot of junior footy with and against out at Wagga and the Wagga Kangaroos were were um, sort of uh, hadn't played in the semi-finals for a long time and they were looking for a coach. So I, I decided to go out there and give them a hand for a year. Then I was at the Eels working in the junior pathways for a year. And, and uh, this year I've been back at uh, Queanbeyan at the Blues. My son plays there and um, I'm pretty much, you know, when I got back from England, I... Re- I uh, didn't have the same bug I did for coaching before I left. When I got back, it was like, you know, to be honest, coaching was filling a hole for me. So yep. um, this this will be, you know, my last year where I um where I um you know I'm going to travel for, for the last three years. I've travelled to Wagga, I've travelled to Parramatta daily. I'm travelling to Canberra a couple of times a week uh, this year. So um you know it's time to um settle down with. With with um, I've still got a one one daughter at home. She's fourteen, so she obviously needs attention, and she's into league tag and tackle at the moment. So um, yeah, it's time to time to enjoy watching footy as opposed to having to consume my whole life at weekends. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. Um, obviously with Wagga, um, any success with them since you took over? Is in any finals appearances, sort of? Thing? We we made we made the semis that year. Hey, but that's good stuff. But, but COVID, COVID, uh, we didn't uh, get to play any. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's but, how it you know, we, I don't think, you know, we, we didn't have the team to win that comp, you know, the Gundy guys and Tumits and Young, they, they, they were a step ahead that year, but it was good. It was good to make the semis anyhow. That had a, a bit of a drought making the semis. So it was good. It was good to get them going. We had some, we had some good wins along the way, but, um, yeah, we weren't quite as strong as, as the top teams. That's fair enough. Um, and I've got uh, two, uh, one second, no, three final questions for you. First question is from a Raiders Tragic. Um, and she asks, what do you think the Raiders need to do in order to have a solid finals chance if they make finals and how to have a solid run in finals? Oh God, that's a hard question. I think, mm. um, I think they just need to find some consistency between now and the semifinals. I mean, there are, you know, they're a tough team to follow the Raiders. I, I can understand their fan, the fans' frustration. You know, they get to good leads and they give them up. They get, you know, you look you look at the Warriors game two weeks ago, they gave away a good lead and then they pegged them back. So um, I think they just need to find some consistency on both sides. I think, you know, at times they're good defensively and at times they look good with the ball, but it's the consistency is what's letting them down at the moment. So, um, you know, I think they've got a pretty healthy squad at the moment. I, I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't recall too, too many of their main men being on the sideline through injury at the moment. So touch wood, touch wood that stays the same. And um, over the next four to five weeks, they can find some consistency in 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 both their attack and their defence. And if they can do that, and and um, you know maybe you know still can finish in the top four, um, they, they need to they need to get their bum into gear. But it's certainly still within the realms of possibility, but they need to start finding some consistency, you know, in their preparation and which obviously leads to consistency game day. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. Obviously um, injuries will definitely uh, like touch wood. There's none for them because obviously injuries can definitely be the difference when it comes to finals time. Um, Another question from one of my mates who is also a Raiders tragic. He asks, what is your favorite win and your most painful loss? Oh God! Favorite win? Um, well, I can tell you my most painful loss. That that that's an easy one. That was the um, 
2003, I think it was, um, semi-final at the Sydney Footy Stadium. We um, we finished in the top four that year. We got beat by Melbourne in round one in Canberra. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the Footy Stadium and played the Warriors, who had toweled up Canterbury in the first week of the semis, 30 by 30 or 40, and no one gave us a chance. Even though we'd had a really good year and we'd finished in the top four, yep. no one gave us a chance that night. And we were up 10 nil and then we were down 16, 10. And then it was 16 all. And I remember we had a, um, we had a scrum. It was 20 or 30 meters out. And this was in, there wasn't even 10 minutes left in the game. And Mark McLinden decided to get the ball and um, he'd lined up a little play with Jason Bugarelli. And um, so he's kicked the ball play one oh. 30 meters out. Um, what well, might've even been 30 cause it was quite a small kick. Anyway, it sat up beautifully for Jason Bugarelli and all he had to do was catch it and dive over the try line and he dropped it. He dropped the ball. He dropped the ball, play one 16 all in a semi-final. And, um, and then Stacey Jones, they what warriors waltzed down the field and he kicked a 30 meter field goal and we lost 17, 16. We were out. Yeah. Well, he literally so, said my guess for loss would be the 03 semi versus the warriors. Well, he's dead right, it, and that you know I often get reminded about it. And sorry, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was disappointing. We would have played Penrith the week after if we won that game. We'd beaten them twice that year already, and of course they won and went went on to beat the Roosters the week after. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I mean, obviously, as you said, not, no necessary standout wins, but surely that snow game would definitely stick out as a as a memorable at least win. Yeah, yeah, that was a memorable. Actually, the the semi final. We played Penrith in um, we played Penrith in Canberra. I think it was two thousand. It might have been Laurie's last year. Yeah, it was. It was two thousand. We played the Panthers. They were a red hot team back then too. And um, we played them in Canberra and um, in the first week of the semis, and we we beat them quite convincingly in the end. That was a really really good night. That was that was a game that was sort of. Um, in the balance for 60 minutes. And, you know, we had, you know, Brett Finch probably had the game of his life that night. And we, we, uh, we ended up winning quite comfortably that night. So that, that was definitely one of my, one of, as a, as a standout win, that's 2000 semi final against Penrith would definitely be up there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and final two questions. What advice would you give to youngsters who want to make it in the NRL? Never give up and make the sacrifices. Absolutely. And last question is, what's next for Simon Jerm Wolford? Uh, well, that's a good question. I'm um, I'm actually um, doing a little bit of um, I'm doing a bit of um, consultancy work with a couple of some um, with a Gravity Seltzer company at the moment. They're a new company in Canberra that um, new Seltzer company. Um, they're called Gravity. So I'm doing a bit of work okay. for them down the south coast and in Canberra at the moment. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying doing that. Yes, sweet. Um, well, that about wraps it up. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate um, you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to have a chinwag on the podcast. Uh, all the best and take care, Simon. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Thank you, mate.